Welcome to In-Depth, a Kingdom Life Church podcast where we can sit down over a cup of coffee and talk to the people we love about the things that intrigue us. Now settle in as we go In-Depth. All right, thank you for joining us again for another edition of In-Depth. I'm Spencer Lloyd, your host, and In-Depth is... Just one of two Kingdom Life Church podcasts. The other one is, of course, our Sunday services. So make sure you check that out. We encourage you to subscribe to both of them and rate us. Give us a rating on iTunes. It'll help us uh, get more visibility. And this isn't about us uh, being known, but it's about our stories being told and about the resources that we have getting out there to the people who need them. And speaking of people, today our guest is Giselle Miller. Say hi, Giselle. Hi. So Giselle, uh, again, like most of the other people that we've interviewed, is a part of our local church body. And uh, by choice, although I would think that's probably safe to say that by everybody. <clears throat> but the interesting thing about Giselle is that she graduated from Indiana Wesleyan. Uh, when did you graduate? December 2017. Okay, so you're fresh out of the school. Fresh out. Fresh out. And Giselle was like uh, trying to decide what to do next, and I was um, I was um, privileged to be a part of this process with her. And uh, she had a couple different prospects, a couple different cities that she was praying over, um, asking the Holy Spirit where where to go. And one of them on the list was Marion. And you might one might ask themselves, why on earth would anyone want to stay in Marion? Giselle, why don't you answer that question? What was it about Marion that was appealing to you? Yeah, I think that it just came down to the Lord saying, you've always wanted to move where your people are. Like you've always said, you're gonna gra- I'm going to graduate and just move to where my people are. And then it came time for graduation and I looked around and I was like, oh, my people are in Marion. You found your people. I found my people right here. here. And I found, I found my family here. Um, I'm here for Kingdom Life. I'm here for this beautiful city that is Marion. Yeah. I think it's so cool. Even you saying this beautiful city, most people, when they drive through Marion, beautiful is not one of the first adjectives that comes to mind. What is it about Marion that's beautiful to you? I think that I see families here and just watch families live their lives Mm -hmm. um, in such a way that like carries so much perseverance. It carries so much joy it carries so much authenticity that like Marion just is what it is. Like we're not trying to be anything else. Yeah. We just like are ourselves. And that's something that drew it to me. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's, there's stories here. And uh, Marion has a rich history, although not always a wonderful history or uh, a happy history perhaps is the word. But um, as is the case with any person or city, the history is what it is. It's a history. And it's, it's part of who we are, uh, but it, no history disqualifies us. Right. And everything's redeemable. Right. And so <clears throat> um, as more people like you and people like me and people like my children grow up in Marion with the heart to see Marion become what the Father sees it as, right. then it will happen. So the Old Testament story, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is when David is moving the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistine possessions, and he's wanting to bring it back into Jerusalem. And now, first of all, David wasn't supposed to be doing this at all. This was, so that was strike one. Right. He is, the, the Levites were supposed to be moving the Ark. 
and we commend his heart to get the presence of the Lord back in Jerusalem, but he wasn't doing it the way that he knew he should have. So he puts it on a cart that's pulled by an ox. Well, it's supposed to be carried by people, but... Strike two. Strike two, right? So one, he's not supposed to be doing it. Two, he's not doing how it's supposed to be done. But the word clearly tells us that David was a man after God's own heart, right? And I think that was the motivation behind it all in the first place. So we know the story. The ox cart hits a bump. The ark starts to fall over. My man Ooze puts his hand up. God strikes him down. Poor buddy. Right? And it's like, how is that a loving God? Well, it's God's righteousness. Yeah. Right? And he said, this is how it's supposed to be done, and it can't. So what we do respect about David in this moment is that he says, okay, yeah. this is clearly not working. Let's. He goes to the house of Obed-Edom. What a name. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. I think you should name your first son Obed. It's like, oh, Bed-Edom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes there and he says, hey, we need to stash... We need to stash the ark here. So it's there for a season. And I don't know how long, maybe a couple months. But it, but the word tells us that in the time that the pre, that, that the ark was there, the house of Obed-Edom flourished. Yeah. Prospered. Everything he put his hand to prospered. And that is the case. Whenever the presence of the Lord is someplace, we will see prosperity and growth. And I'm not talking right. like money. I'm not talking dollar signs. I'm seeing, I'm talking like relational health. Uh, health in everything that we do will be will always be a result of the presence of the Lord being at the middle of it. Right. So anyway, uh, I think that that's, that's cool. So you are just prophesying over Marion that she's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And that she will be what the Lord has told her to be. So uh, everybody has a story, and Giselle has a story too. I do. <clears throat> so let's, let's start. Um, you're a PK. I am. Pastor's kid Born for those of you who don't know what that means. Uh, pastor's kids are a, a rare breed. And I think that you see them go one way or the other. Right. Right. Pastor's kids go, they, they like fall hard line in love with the Lord and serve him their life. And maybe, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> that's just all. Uh, and maybe not necessarily even serving him in ministry because right. you, you don't serve him in full-time ministry. Now what you do is ministry. I think that whatever mm-hmm. we put our hands to is ministry. Um, if we're doing it for the Lord. Right. Uh, so you are in design. We'll get to that later. But so tell us a little bit of your story. Your PK. Uh, oh, the other side is that kids like just run away from the Lord. That's yeah. That's, and and um, anyway, but we can speak about that. So that's another podcast. Right. That's a different All together. So what's your story? So my parents moved down to Miami, Florida from the Midwest to plant a small church. Um Shucks. Shucks. If we all were only called to Miami, Florida Paradise. to do the Lord's to do the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that didn't take a lot of convincing. Yeah, what Lord? What? what? You want oh. us to move to where? Hmm. Oh. Yes. 90 let's degrees, you say. <laughs> yeah. We're there. <laughs> yeah, so then they were there for close to 20 years. I was born around the time when our church started. And yeah, I grew up in this really small vineyard church. We always met in school buildings. It was such an intimate and beautiful setting to grow up in. So this is the church that your parents planted was a vineyard church. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Miami, Florida. Vineyard in the Pines. There you go. Okay. Vineyard in the Pines. All right. Mm-hmm. So grew up in the vineyard church, but eventually, like, as, as long as I've known Giselle, right. Berlin, Ohio was home. 
Oh, yeah. So how did you get from Miami, Florida to Berlin, Ohio? Yeah, so I grew up 17 years go by, and we just hear the Lord say that the season is done. So we close down our church. My dad is looking for other jobs. Um, we find this random, through like Holy Spirit connections, I think, just this church in the hills of East Holmes County, a non-denominational um, Spirit-filled, great church, and we pick up our stuff and move. Okay, so to just to fill in the blank, so I, I'm hearing you use spirit language. Right. So the Holy Spirit has always been part of your narrative. Yes. Always been part of the story for the Miller family. Yes, okay. day one. Love. So you come to Ohio. Mm-hmm. You're 17 at that point, which Half- is almost graduated high school. No, so I was halfway through my <clears throat> junior year of high school. Okay. So you weren't, so that was probably rough. Yeah. So I had a, a year and a half in this new high school. I didn't know anyone. It was so rough. I remember the second day my sister pretended it was me and my little sister by the time that we moved. Okay. Um, my sister, I think she was pretending. So you have two older siblings. I have two older siblings. Uh, help me with your brother's name again. James. James. And then there's Jordan. Right. Older sister. And then there's Giselle. Yeah. So there's six Jaylen. years between okay. me and Jordan. Okay. And then me and Jalen are two years apart. Okay. So Jordan, James and Jordan are already out of the house. Living their lives. College. Whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So it's me and Jalen, us against the world, us against Berlin, Ohio. That's right. Moving. Amish country. Amish country. So talk about culture shock. Yeah. We're going from like the diversity, Bikinis the rich. and yeah. Hispanic your culture. Face. Loud. Yes. To Amish country. <laughs> to, Quite literally, we are passing buggies every day. To no, to like enough. Is there enough electricity in your house to charge all your cell Thank phones? Thank God, yes. <laughs> we were had the best house ever. Okay. Um, I mean, the good thing is I'm very used to not understanding what languages are being spoken around me. Oh, there so you go. So we just went from it being the Spanish language to Dutch. Dutch. So that's nice. Or tongues. You just didn't know. <laughs> Never okay. understood. Sorry, tell me the story. Your Focusing. sister. So I think she pretended that she was sick on our second day of this new high school. Okay. So she stays at home. I am standing in line at the lunchroom by myself, not even my little sister. And I remember so vividly looking at the floor and being like, tears are falling from my eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> the classic, like, Disney Channel original movie, <laughs> girl from the big city moves to a small town. And you're just standing, not a friend. Not a friend to be seen. Did you know anybody's name? Like, maybe somebody had just barely introduced himself to you, but that's about it. Well, yeah, because I was the pastor's kid, uh-huh. I knew one guy from our high school youth group at oh, this man. new church, but he was also really shy, so it was just like a... Yeah. Oh, it was so sad. And you're not shy. No. Okay, you told me a little bit of, a little bit, you started to tell me a story before we came right. to record. And this is about when you're in junior high. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story. Okay, so I grew up with four siblings, like we talked about before. And I think that's a lot. Like when you are parenting four kids, yes. things fall through the cracks. I'm one of five. Exactly. I'm number two in the line. So yeah, right. I, I hear you. So I grew up, and me and my little sister, by the time I moved to Ohio, we were thick as thieves, like so close. But growing up, we weren't. We like fought constantly. She just like hated me, and I like loved her, you know? Um, So I grew up feeling 
Even though I had all this love in the world from my parents and my older siblings, I was the middle child. I felt so unseen. I felt like my little sister hated me. Mm. So I remember there was this, like years of my life where I would cry myself to sleep and just say, Lord, if my little sister can't love me, how can anyone love me? And I think the enemy was like using these like lies to twist in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> just to tell me that I, like, wasn't worthy of love, like, wasn't worthy of respect, even as a little child, Mm. I think. So, like, fifth, sixth grade. Um, And I remember at one point just saying, if my little, like, if my little sister can't love me, then no one can. Mm. And crying and... And at that point, I was having suicidal thoughts, like, multiple times a night, which I was the happiest kid during the day. There's Mm -hmm. no way my parents could have known. But then just would break down Mm. before going to sleep. And I remember, and I'm so thankful that I grew up in a home where we talked about the Holy Spirit and that you can have a connection with Him. Yeah. And that I, like, had a place to cry into the Father's arms, Mm. even as a a child. Because I remember one day I was, like, saying this to Him. And it was the first saying what saying if like my little sister if my little love... sister can't love me, no one can love me. Mm. Like I don't understand, and like picturing my funeral, um, and it was the first time I ever heard the father's voice in my head, and he just said, "I love you," mm. and it was like tears I'd never wept before, and it was like the first time I ever felt this like rush of love, this like supernatural love I'd never experienced before. Um, and it changed my entire life and it changed like the course of my life. Um, and I had such a pure heart for the Lord before that, I think. Mm -hmm. But after that moment, it just, I was never the same. It was like my salvation moment. Okay. So what did it, what do you think it changed? Do you think it just turned the fire hotter? Did it, did it? I I think, yeah. In my little like junior high brain, it gave me hope. Mm. It gave me like clarity of mind. Yeah. It's when I really started to distinguish between what I see and what the Lord sees. That's really good. Because I walked away from that moment and I think the only person I told was my older sister who by this time had gone away to college. Mm. And I just said, I don't like, I don't know what to do because then it changed the game. It changed the whole game because now I knew that I was loved by the father so I just, like, told my sister, like, what do I do with this? Mm. And she was like, now you can love Jalen well. Yeah. So instead of, like, fighting, instead of, like, being jealous, instead of, like, living in this, like, I'm not seen, I, like, knew I was seen. Yeah. And I, like, knew I had this hope. Um, and so I just started praying for her every day and praying for the strength to love her the way that I like felt loved that day. That's so cool. So it changed, like, it just gave me hope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple things I hear you saying. The first is that you're using the word hope, which um, I've discussed with somebody else that um, hope is not this like last ditch effort right. to see things go right. Uh, one of the, I think one of the best definitions of the word hope that I've heard is the joyful expectation of good. Yeah. And so in that moment, you had a you had a joyful expectation that everything was all right, whether your little sister loved you or not, yeah. like because the father loved you. The other thing too is I'm reading this book right now. <clears throat> um, 
I think it's called Roar, but it's by Bob Hazlitt. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how God sees people and um, how we're invited to do the same thing and how, in fact, Adam and Eve were seeing people as, or well, they were seeing creation yeah. as God saw it before the fall. Right. And there's two words for, for see in the Hebrew, that he, there might be more, but that he brings out. And when God saw Adam and Eve, when he saw light and called it day, mm-hmm. it was ra'ah. So it was like looking into. And the other one, and it sounds funny, but is uh, yada, which is yeah. just to like look at. Oh, so interesting. So it's like the difference. So you were, you were seen, you were looked into by the father. Yeah. Not just looked at. Right. And that's the difference between what was happening between your sister. Like your sister was looking at you mm-hmm. and the father was looking into you. And there's this invitation from the father for all of us. And this is what I, uh, one of the things I think that we uh, steward well at Kingdom Life is to, uh, at, at all cost, to look into people. Right. And to see what the father sees. Right. Um, and, and to address that. Instead of whatever the outside circumstances yeah. may be. I remember my first season going to Kingdom Life when I started to hear that language yeah. of like calling people by what the Father sees them and honoring their identity in Him before what you see. It was like something clicked in me. Like, wait, you're speaking my language that I've spoken and you're giving words to what I've experienced. And I think that's one of the moments where I was like, I'm home. This is your home. Yeah. Look, how did you come to Kingdom Life? Oh, gosh. This is such a loaded question because I know the answer. If everyone could see the look on your face right now. (laughs) Oh, come on. Just tell it. I was sitting in your class my freshman year of college, Mm -hmm. and I was pretty discouraged because I was like, what even is college? You know, like freshman year. It's hard. A couple weeks in, it's hard. And you share a testimony from Kingdom Life, I think. Okay, probably. Probably. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. That sounds like the church I want to be at. So I walked up to you after class. And then the rest is history. And now you're in my basement. Look how far we've come. On my podcast. Yes. Oh, but all of the stories between then and now would fill like five podcast right. episodes. Right. And uh, watching Giselle uh, bec- walk, in, walk into the fullness of her identity in Christ over the past five years has been such a privilege and being invited into that process has been so much fun uh, to be able to be a part of that and, ex- and experience that with you. So let's talk a little bit more about your time at Indiana West Sand. <clears throat> okay. What would you say? Um, well, maybe we should go back before that. So you're in Ohio. Right. How did you find out about Indiana West Sand? What brought you to IWU? Okay. So it is hard to move halfway through your junior year. Oh, I'm sure. High school. Because every plan I had laid before me involved a college in Florida. Oh, and well, Florida scholarships. Cuz that's where you were. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually came to Indiana Wesleyan by accident. Me too, actually. Yeah, I some of the friends I had made in high school told me that they were going on a road trip to Indiana Wesleyan's Admitted Students Weekend. Cool. And I was like, wow, that sounds like so much fun. I'm going to apply, get accepted, go on this road trip with my friends, and then go to OSU because I thought I was going to go to Ohio State. Okay. So you were just looking at it as a road trip. I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. And turned out the only really other school I applied to was OSU, and they never got my application. 
Really? Yeah. I went through hmm. the entire application process and I'm like, this is so weird. I haven't heard anything. Call them. They're like, nope, never got it. Sounds like Jehovah Sneaky was at work. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you did it again. Yeah. So I thought about doing YWAM. I thought about doing Indiana Wesleyan and I visited and I was like, this is me. This is where we're going. Okay. So um, you went, you applied, admitted, you got admitted. And right. then you came in uh, as, did you come in as, um, you? well, what, what did you graduate with? I came in with marketing and graphic design as a double major, and I finished with marketing and graphic design as I'm a so double major. I'm so proud of you. You are in the minority of people, and yeah. you're actually using your degree. I am. Congratulations. Here we are. Wow. I'm beating the odds in Marion, Indiana. You are part of the 1%. Yes. <laughs> My dream come true. Yay. Okay, so uh, where were we going with this? I don't know. This is what's beautiful about conversations with friends is you kind of get lost. You, um, yeah. Time at IWU. That's what, that's what brought you there. Yeah. Cool. So you came in as a marketing and graphic design. You mm-hmm. graduate marketing graphic design. Let's talk about, um, because obviously that conversation you had with the father in your bed that night is yeah. what I like to call one of the pil- one of the the monuments. So mm-hmm. Old Testament talks about the Israelites would build these stone monuments. They would stack 12 stones, yes, which were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. And the purpose of them was so that the ch- the future generations would look at these and say, "Daddy, why is that or mommy, why is that that mm-hmm. s- that statue there or that monument there?" And they would say, "Well, let me tell you about the time that the Israelites crossed the Jordan. Let me tell you about the time that the Red Sea parted." Okay. Right. So I see that time in your bed that night as one of those pillars. A hundred percent. Okay. So can you identify one or two pillars from your time at Indiana Wesleyan? Something that the that you a, a way that you encountered the Lord, a yeah. message that he, that you felt that He gave you, um, something like that in that time of your five years. Now you, I know you didn't know I was going to ask you this I didn't. question. But if they're real p- pillars, they should really just stick out to you, right? True. <laughs> True. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I think that I learned a lot about friendship with the Lord. Okay. Um, at Indiana Wesleyan, one of the three pillars is... oh. Like, if we're going on the idea of, like, moments that I've been seen by the Lord... Yeah, let's do that. I th- I think that it would be a few summers ago, f- summer of freshman year of college, when mm-hmm. I went to that Bethel concert. Ah. Uh, yeah. Tell the story. Okay. I know it well. Our you listeners well. don't. Right. It's beautiful. So, I'm at a Bethel worship night in Indy with one of my best friends... Growing and not growing up, but best friends from high school, Sarah Han, and we're just worshiping. It's great. Um, we're having a good time, and then Stephanie sings out this spontaneous song, which just like unlocked my heart, and I was like, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, well, it unlocked the whole room. It, I was there too, and I mean, really, I'm not trying to to take away with what the Lord was doing right. in your heart, but it. Um, you know, we were there, Stacia and I were there too. And I mean, it was good worship until Stephanie did that. Right. And then it's like the roof got blown off the place. Yeah. 
and something totally shifted the atmosphere. So so I'll clarify, it <laughs> unlocked the whole room. But your heart was part of that. But so my heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Lord just started like speaking into my heart mm-hmm. and I was already weeping. And so in this moment, I felt so seen by him on the inside again mm-hmm. among all these people. And then he took it a step further and I think Matt Stinton yeah. starts singing out this spontaneous song that's like, there's a dancer in this room who um, hurt her back growing up and it stopped you from dancing and right now you're healed. Yeah. And for just a point of order, like th- that would be an example of, of an actual prophetic song. Yeah. Because there is a difference between prophetic worship and spontaneous worship. Right. And again, that's for another podcast. But <laughs> I think, I mean, just for our listeners' sake, it's it's important to distinguish that this is what he was hearing from mm-hmm. the Lord for the room in that moment. And he spoke it out. And he spoke it out. And there was immediate response. Yeah. And so what was happening with you... So you were that dancer. I grew up dancing. I danced for like a decade, over a decade. You danced in my class. I danced in your class. Which embarrasses you, but it was beautiful and the spirit was on it. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing has been ingrained in my family line. I grew up dancing. When I was in high school, early high school, I didn't warm up well, did a hinge, and just nailed my back in a really bad way and it just stopped it did stop me from dancing Hmm. to the extent that I was and in that moment he sings out this song and suddenly I feel seen by the father as an individual in front of all these people again thousands of people in the room oh yeah Yeah. and I am weeping and I feel my back um just release Hmm. like all this pressure I feel like I grew an inch Hmm. um and I'm crying, obviously, yeah. and just thanking the Father. And then I feel like he takes the being seen a step further. Because? The third time, because then I hear this voice in my ear, and it's like, hey, I forget even what he said, but I knew it was James Heth, yeah. who was pastoring Kingdom Life all yeah. my freshman year of college. Um so I was like, whoa, Lord, like you saw my heart, you saw what I needed, then you saw my body, mm. and you saw what I needed, and then you brought my pastor to me Yeah. in this room of thousands of people. Yeah. And I don't even know if he like really knew I went to Kingdom Life at that moment, but... I think he did. Okay. We talked about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stacia and I and James and Chloe all went to that worship night together. Right. And and he talked a little bit about that afterwards. What, what you just described there sounds an awful lot like uh, Sozo. Yeah. Saved, healed, delivered. I mean, you were, you experienced all of it in that moment. You were so seen. So beautiful. I'm crying. I wish everybody (laughs) could see her face right now. She's like going back to that moment. And what is so cool is that, um, Stacia and I were privileged, uh, to be able to go back and talk to the worship leaders Mm -hmm. after the, after the worship night was over. And, uh, Matt shared, uh, in that moment that that was the first time he had ever done that in public. In yeah. a public worship setting, it was the first time he'd ever given a word of knowledge, essentially, uh, and 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 then of course he decided to sing it, which was even better. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I, how cool! How cool that like we were able to go back and hear that that it was the first time that we knew you that yeah. you, you know that you were the person. And so I mean, I just think it's it's God's like little wink that like hey, not only did this happen, but you get to 
you get to see behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, he's so see clever. All the parts, how they're you know? working together. Oh yeah. yeah. It's Very like he, clever. It's of like him. he knows something. True. Yeah. Hey, well, we're gonna pick up this conversation with Giselle after a uh, brief break. So don't go anywhere because you're gonna want to hear uh, what has brought Giselle into these last well, her her story through the last couple years of college and what she's doing now. Stick around. We want your feedback. Do you have questions about a Kingdom Life sermon you heard recently? Or maybe you have a topic suggestion for the monthly in-depth podcast. If that is you, please send them our way. Submit your thoughts and questions to us via Instagram, Facebook Messenger, or you can email them to spencer.kingdomlifechurch at gmail.com. Of course, you can always feel free to chat with us on a Sunday night as well. We look forward to interacting with you, and thanks for listening to In-Depth, a special edition of the Kingdom Life Church podcast. All right, and uh, we are serious about that. If you have questions for us on the podcast, if you have podcast ideas, please come up, uh, see me at church on a Sunday night. If you don't go to Kingdom Life Church, but you're listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you, uh, but also uh, feel free to uh, email at that email, spencer.kingdomlifechurch uh, at gmail.com. And you can email with podcast ideas or questions about what we believe or uh, just the way that we do things. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to be a resource. And um, honestly, I think that one of the best ways that we can be a resource is to, to tell testimonies, is to tell people stories. Um, Revelation, uh, I think it's 1911. I always get the reference wrong, but it says the spirit of, Je- the, the spirit of Jesus. No, of course, now I can't even think of the verse. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Had to get the words in the right order in my brain. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so as we review what the Lord has done before in other people's lives, in our own lives, it opens up the door for the same kind of breakthrough to come to those around us. And not only that, but it's actually our responsibility to share and to steward the testimony well. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about with the pillars and the the monuments. Like that was something that the Lord instructed the, the, the people of Israel to do to remember what he had done for them. So here we are. We're back with Giselle Miller. Giselle uh, is a Kingdom Life attender and she works uh, a couple different jobs, but she's actually on staff... uh, um, in addition to a couple jobs, she, you have like three jobs right now. I do. I have way too many. That's great. So she works at a local coffee shop. She works at a um, local bookstore um, mm-hmm. doing graphic design work for them. And then she's also on part-time with Kingdom Life Church doing our media uh, stuff. So if you want to follow us on Instagram as well, what's it, What's our Instagram I think we're Kingdom Life underscore Church. Kingdom Life underscore Church. That's so our handle. Follow us on there, and uh, all the beautiful things you're looking at are courtesy of the one and only Giselle Miller. So uh, we were talking during that break, and um, Giselle, uh, being an art student at Indiana Wesleyan, all art students have to do a senior show, and uh, Giselle was no different. And uh, Giselle, why don't you talk to us? Uh, your senior show is beautiful. And not only the, like, what we were looking at in the room, mm-hmm. like, that was, that was beautiful, but 
the story behind it was so redemptive. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about your senior show, uh, what it was, ex- explain what it was, and then just talk us through the process. Yeah. I really wanted to start with this verse to explain where my heart for Marion came from. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find it. I know, I know, I should have it memorized. Oh, it's okay. I couldn't I could remember mine just a second ago. So. Yeah. So, um, Jeremiah 29, everyone knows Jeremiah 29, 11. Mm-hmm. But if you would go a couple verses ahead, said Jeremiah, I'll start reading Jeremiah 29, 4. It okay. says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Wow. Yeah. There's Um, so much in there. I know. There's just a lot, a lot. So I heard that verse, I feel like my, close to my senior year of, high, of college, mm-hmm. and it just lit a fire under me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I've been in this city for four years now, and I haven't planted gardens. I haven't, mm-hmm. like, gone out and married my sons and daughters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't have any of those. You're proverbial. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And contended for the prosperity of my city Hmm. and just give my love to where I am. Yeah. I didn't know how long I would be in Marion, but this idea of not everyone looks at Marion and is like, this is a paradise. A lot of people look at it and they're like, all these houses are broken down. Yeah. And so this idea of the Lord carrying you into exile into this place that was not your home, but now he wants you to make it your home, um, turned my eyes towards the city and turned my heart towards the city, and I started reading and learning about our history. And I think I want to interrupt really quick, too, because when something is so broken and so far gone, it makes it makes its redemption that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have to recognize where you are. I don't mm-hmm. think you can look at Marion. Hope doesn't look with rose-colored glasses. I think that hope sees the truth. Mm. You know? And a lot of people say, like, you're just wearing rose-colored glasses. Like, mm-hmm. no. I'm wearing, like, the father's glasses. Yeah. And the, that's so different. Yeah, I think that um, I've been accused of being naive. Yeah. For much of my life. And it's like, um, no. And I think this was even before I was I, w- I learned how to, like, partner with what the Holy Spirit was seeing in things. But I always describe myself as fatally optimistic. Like, mm-hmm. I am going to choose to believe the best about any circumstance until I'm proven wrong. Right. Unequivocally unequivocally yeah. proven wrong. And, um, yeah, I think it, yeah. it just speaks about this hope. Yeah. And is it naive to say, well, actually I think I have a little piece of information that you don't have. Mm. And that's like the father's heart. Yeah. You know, that's no, not I mean, exactly just, naive. No, but I have bold. heard the same thing. I love it. So <clears throat> the summer after my junior year of college, I spent it in Marion working with Marion Design Co. And during that process, we interviewed a lot of community members just about what they see in Marion, what they've lived in Marion, um, their experiences. And in a lot of those conversations, um, the lynching came up. So for a lot of people who 
may not know this, mm-hmm. um, Marion is one of the last places where documented lynching took place. Mm-hmm. And it is a story that I think that if you live here, like you should know. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say other than that. I mean, it's part of the, it, it it's, with what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, it's part mm-hmm. of the history. It's part of our history. Like it's nothing. It's nothing that um, anybody who fears the Lord or who is thinking clearly is proud of. Yeah. Uh, so in the same way that it would be uh, inappropriate to celebrate it, exactly. it's also inappropriate to dismiss it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So we are talking to, and a, an interesting thing about this story is. Um, and I don't, yeah, an interesting thing about this story is there were three young men who were taken by a mob and going to be lynched Mm -hmm. and two of them were dead before like anything could be done. But the third walked away Yeah. because, and there are different stories and different like ways that this has been recounted. But if you do your research, there are some stories that say, a man in the audience came out and shouted, um, let him go. He had nothing to do with the murder. Wow. And then there are some people, the man says himself, as he's retelling the story, that he heard a voice that sounded feminine saying, let him go. He had nothing to do with the murder. And then there are other people that say, we didn't hear any voice. Wow. We just got bored and let you go. Um, oh, yeah, because that, that happens. So- oh, pardon. Oh, wow. Sorry. This- we're recording in our ba- in my basement, and there are children above us, so pardon the noises. But um, yeah, that that seems very inconsistent because how often do you see angry mobs just like get bored and just get dis- bored and dispense? walk away? Yeah. No. Uh, if you want more information and to hear this story um, from a well-researched point of view, Cynthia Carr wrote a book called Our Town, a mm-hmm. Heartland Lynching, a Haunted Town, and the Hidden History of White America. Yeah. And Giselle, that was part of your process reading, part of your research for your senior show. Right. Yeah. Was this. And then a, another good friend of mine, um, uh, Tyler Dresbeck, who's also been on the podcast, uh, has read this book and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not an easy read. It's not short. Uh, but it does tell a lot of the history and it, and it goes into more depth about right. Marion, um, even, even past and it goes far beyond the lynching, but it includes that story. Yeah, exactly. So this story is brought up in a lot of our focus groups and we were hearing two different reactions hmm. and we couldn't get over it. And one of the reactions was, um, from the black population of Marion, please, mm-hmm. please speak about this. Like we are still broken. We still need healing. Wow. Like, why are we walking away? Yeah. Um, there's so much still racial divide in Marion yeah. that we just glaze over. Like, please, please bring this back to the light. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, there were people who have lived in Marion for generations who, um, whose grandparents and parents were there for it. And they have been so tired of hearing this story and Mm. hearing this shame thrown back in their face Mm -hmm. that they don't, they responded with, I remember sitting across the table of a man and he said, I cannot believe we're still talking about this. That was so long ago. We need to move on. Yeah. So there's this heart for Marion to see us move on, but you're, 
so I... There was, there was yeah. a lot of truth in his statement. We do need to move on, but it has to be in a healthy way. Right. And not in a move on, forget it kind of way, but in a, a move on in, hey, we need reconciliation and restoration. Mm-hmm. There has to be redemption at the yeah. heart of this that empowers us to move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Yeah. And I don't think that you can just be like, look at the hurt and the broken and be like, suck it up, get over yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. That's just not... So when he said those words, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. I said, how can we reconcile these two opposing views? Mm. Um, So I walked into my senior show saying, I don't know if I have the right to talk about this. It's on my heart. I can't get away from it. I need to say something. And I decided that the audience I was going to speak to was not... um, I wasn't going to tailor it to the hurt and the broken. I was going to tailor it to the man who was sitting across the table from me. Mm-hmm. I was going to try to wake up, awake empathy, awake, um, awake the idea of like, I know this is hard, but we have to walk back into it mm-hmm. because I think that's a lot of where the, the pain comes from. So now I want to ask you a yeah. question. Your senior show started that. Do you feel like that's something the Lord is still calling you to do? Because I don't think that it probably was completed in no, your senior show. No, for sure not. Yeah. Do you think that that's still a process the Lord is asking you to carry on? Or do you think yeah. that your part was just in I, your senior show? I think that I will always carry the heart of res- racial reconciliation within mm. me. Um, and I think that I was given this beautiful stage with my senior show. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, whenever the Lord is like, here we go again. Yeah. Every moment, I feel like that that heart is never gonna leave. You know, that's like good. that's. I think that's a huge calling on my life. Cool. Actually, um, so yeah, I looked into um, African proverbs, and there's there's a word. I talk to a lot of people who are a lot wiser than me. Just how, just about reconciliation. How have other communities reconciled well? Is there anything like I talk to a lot of therapists about how we get over trauma? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, as a city, as a unit, like mm-hmm. we experienced a traumatic event. Yes. So I came at it from that point of view. How? Because as an individual, when you experience trauma and you just try to forget about it and move on, and mm-hmm. you say that was so long ago. Why are we still talking about this? Can't we move on? Yeah. That's when your body reacts and you yeah. get anxiety. You have a lot of like disorders orient themselves, like yeah. come to the surface. Um, if, when you don't deal with your issues, when you mm-hmm. don't deal with traumatic events. I, the, and the thing I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps saying to me as you're talking is it's in the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, let's just cut to the chase and talk about what my senior show was. Yeah, and not to cut out the middle part because this is really important. And I do want you to say that proverb because that's what was on the wall. Right, yeah. Right? So you need to say that, but... Yeah, there's just this thing here that like it's in it's in the earth in Marion. Mm-hmm. It's like we need we need an earth transplant. Oh, we need yeah. when um, Elisha uh, the water was bad. Yeah. Well, the tree died. They didn't uproot the tree. That is just another thing that I don't think anyone really knows. Where they were going to hang the young man. It died. The tree by died. itself, shriveled up. Wow. Um, it's powerful. That's. Yeah, it's in the ground. So this proverb is Sankofi, okay. which means it's not naive to go back and get what we've forgotten. Like, mm. it's not naive to go back and get what we need to move forward. Um, 
yeah, it's this idea of looking, looking back in order to move forward, hmm. looking back while you're moving forward. Um, so that was written on the wall as you were walking in mm -hmm. and just describing trauma. Um, and so you walked into this room and there are windows in front of you, but mm -hmm. beneath the windows was this 10 foot wooden box filled <laughs> with dirt. Filled with dirt. Yeah. And what I wanted to do was just allowed people to process this event any way that they needed to. Yeah. So on the wall was just a short story of what happened. Yep. Um, and also on the wall were all these buckets. All these buckets. Filled with. Filled with. I had coffee grounds. I had mulch. I think in one of them was sand. Cinnamon was in one of stones, them. I think. Stones, stones were in one. Yeah. Newspaper was in Shreds, another. Yep. So this idea that actually healthy dirt, like healthy dirt is not just dirt. Not just dirt. Like it is, it is made up of a lot of these other things. But all of these represented something. Right? right. So above every bucket was like, if you are confused. Yeah. If you are um, angry. Mm -hmm. If you are broken. Yeah. If you are repentant, I think yeah. was one of them. Um, and then I had made pieces of paper that had seeds worked into the paper mm -hmm. and they were on a shelf that said, if you need to say something, um, with the idea that like as a community, we all bring something to this grieving process and yeah. we bring something to this process of moving on and transformation. And if everyone's voice isn't heard, the ground isn't going to be healthy, mm -hmm. you know? And so we need the people who are angry. Yep to like give what they can. And we need the people who are just confused to give what they can. Yeah. Um, so it was a very honest way to build a new dirt. Yeah. Basically. And so the invitation was people would walk in the room and you could grab whatever it was that you were feeling mm -hmm. from those buckets on the wall and till it into the soil yeah. that was in this 10 foot box along with any words that you had. Mm -hmm. Um, as part of a healing process, like yeah. your contribution. Yeah. And then for a few lucky, I shouldn't say lucky, a few blessed individuals, we got jars of yeah. the dirt from your senior show. Ours mm. is still on our mantle upstairs. Um, you know, it's part of our story. And yeah. we are called to be here in Marion. Like, this is the last place that I would have thought the Lord would have taken me. I mean, yeah. we were... And, and I think that that can be so true with many people we talk to. But, I mean, I was doing fine in, in Indianapolis. People knew my name. Mm -hmm. I was growing a, a music department. I had the respect of the community, not only in word, but they were, like, literally throw, – I, throw, I say throwing money at me. But I Right, mean, yeah. Like, I raised over $100,000 Yeah. in, like, two months for this choir. So uh, – but the Lord was like, eh, it's time to go. Yeah. So, you know, it's like we scratch our head, but okay, so clearly there's something that we carry yeah, that is needed here for the restoration. Right. And so, you know, we were part of that. And so that was really beautiful. Yeah. Well, your story is beautiful. Thank you. The senior show was great. Uh, we are glad to have you here as part of uh, our community uh, doing life on life. I, I love... Um, I love calling you part of my family. Oh, this same. is my selfish moment of the podcast right. is I just get to, I get the mic so I get to say what I want. Um, and so I would encourage you if you're listening to this and you don't know Giselle, offer to take her out for a cup of coffee. 
hear her yeah. story. There's so much more we never got to right. uh, that you definitely would want to hear because uh, just like all of us, we have a story and everybody's story deserves to be heard. Everybody's story. Um, so Giselle, there's two, two questions that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast. Cool. The first one, now how old are you? I am 23 years old. You're 23. Okay, so we're going to go back five years to 18-year-old Giselle. Yeah. What one piece of advice would you give 18-year-old Giselle about walking with the Lord? Or about maybe about doing life well. Doing life well. Yeah. Um, I would tell her, I would tell her you're in good hands Mm -hmm. and just calm down. Oh, just (laughs) calm the heck down. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Right. I like that. And the last thing that we do, um, I always love to have my guests pray. And so uh, I would love for you to pray for our listeners. And I really feel like the Lord's inviting you to pray into this issue of reconciliation and restoration. So allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, but why don't you pray and then uh, that'll wrap up our podcast for the day, okay? Yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. just for being present in all of our lives and for being here with us and for never letting us walk alone. I just ask right now that you would release into Marion um, and into the Kingdom Life Church this revelation that we're seeing, that we aren't just asked to live up to this standard, to get to this standard, and then you'll show up, God, Um, but that your heart is to be right beside us every step of the way. Yeah, Jesus, I just speak out another thing, just calm, calm down everyone and just know that you're in good hands. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, I just ask for an increase in intimacy with our listeners right now. Um, yeah, I'm thinking again about Marion and yeah, Lord, I just ask for like a, a tidal wave of passion to be renewed and people's hearts and their minds, um, that we would forget about disappointment of the last couple years, that we would forget this idea that Marion is broken and a slum, um, but we would just wear your glasses and see the city of hope that it is and see this beautiful bride that you are preparing for yourself, God. Yeah, um, yeah Lord, that everyone we see in Walmart, in Meyer, in the Abbey, that we would see them with your heart. Um, see them as someone that you've never left behind. Jesus, would you just wreck our hearts for reconciliation um, and for the empathy of the other person that we like don't get to hear their story all the time? Um, yeah, Lord, we we take this like, crazy burden that is our history sometimes um and this crazy mountain of of divide that we see in front of us and we just give you give it back to you we just like give you back our burden and we put yours on um thank you so much amen amen all right well that wraps up this edition of in depth a special kingdom life church podcast Thanks again so much for listening. And like we said before, if you have yet to subscribe, uh, we invite you to do that. And if you haven't visited Kingdom Life Church, we invite you to do that as well. But most of all, we thank you for taking some time out of your busy week to go in depth.